I've entitled this devotion, um, Desiring More of God. It's actually a, uh, it's an excerpt of a message that I recently preached. And for my text, I'd like you to turn to Exodus 33. And we're going to use verse 13, Exodus 33, verse 13. This is Moses. You may be familiar with Exodus 32 and 33. It's a portion where Moses was beseeching God. He was interceding on behalf of the people of Israel. But verse 13 reads as follows. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight. And consider that this nation is thy people. I want to focus particularly on the second request that Moses prays to God, that he asked God for, that I may know thee. A.W. Tozer makes this great quote. He says, unless we get to know what God is like, unless we know God, we will accept all the superficial nonsense that passes for Christianity today. Our perception of God determines our perception of worship. I think there's so much truth to that. As we look at the, the state of the church in the world today, we see a lot of things that are just so far off from the re revelation of God that he has given us in his word. Moses prays here three things, particularly in verse 33. One, he says, if I have found grace, show me now thy way. The second one, that I may know thee. And the third one, that I may find grace in thy sight. Moses' request when he cries to God that I may know thee is for a deeper knowledge of God. It is a personal knowledge of God. It is not the issue contained in facts about God, but rather the personal intimacy and familiarity with the person of God. As Moses pursue God, pursues God, he comes to discover the very character of God, the person of God, and discovering these truths lead him to know God. Listen, Moses was not content with mere knowledge of God, facts about God. There is a clear distinction between knowing about God and knowing God. This Saturday, I had to perform a funeral for a member of the church's brother. I never met the person. I never had the opportunity to converse with the person. Family members went up there and they just gave astounding testimonies as to the character of this person. And I said to the woman at the end of the service, I said, boy, your brother sounded like a really like outstanding man. I wish I had the opportunity to meet him. And she said to me, I wish you had the opportunity to know him. Even though I had learned certain facts, I had heard certain testimonies, that did not qualify me to say that I knew the deceased. I knew about the deceased, but I didn't know the deceased. There are so many in the church today that that is their relationship with God. 
They know about God. They know facts about God. They have heard the testimonies of what God has done in their lives, but they don't know God. What I love here about Moses is that Moses sought more of God, more of his presence, more of the intimacy with God. And church, I submit to you that we could likewise know God in that manner if we don't. So I want to show you four characteristics, four characteristics of people who know God. Number one, those who know God have great energy for God. People who know God do not grow weary in serving God. They're not bored with God. They do not make excuses in an attempt not to be consumed with God. It's just the opposite. Those that know their God are consumed by their God. Moses was consumed with God, going multiple, multiple times to the tent of meeting to meet with God personally. We see this in Exodus 32 and 33, interceding for the children of Israel, beseeching God for his presence, for the knowledge of his ways, and the knowledge of him, and staying in the tent of meeting for hours on end in the presence of God. Zealous, zealous for the glory of God. Those who know their God have great energy for God. This great energy is reflected in prayer. Prayer does not become tiresome or arduous or, or boring or monotonous. Rather, prayer is energetic. It's stimulating. It's exciting. It is viewed as the opportunity to meet God and to come into his presence. And this energy is reflected in the expectation that God does indeed hear and that God will work all things together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So the first characteristic, those that know their God have great energy for God. The second one, those who know God have great thoughts of God. Moses wanted to see the glory of God, and he wanted to see God glorified among the children of Israel and among the nations. Listen to the words of Moses in verse 16, 33, 16. For wherein shall it be known here? that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? After God had told Moses to proceed to the promised land, but because of the sin of the people, he's not going with them. He's going to send an angel that will guide them. Moses comes back to God with a different request, that the Lord himself will go up with them. How else will the people know that the Lord is theirs unless the glory of the Lord precedes them? That Israel would be a separate and a distinct people from all of the peoples on the earth. Listen, church, we come here to pray for revival, for awakening in the church. How will the world know that the Lord is with us unless the glory of the Lord fills the church and that God's people would be separate from all the peoples on the earth? We must think boldly and we must pray boldly. 
believing God for great things. Why? Because those who know their God have great thoughts of God. Let me share with you the third thing. Those who know their God show great boldness for God. Knowing God brings about boldness for God. Because Moses knew God, he was able to bring his requests to God with all boldness. What was Moses' request? Well, he prayed to forgive the sin of the people, to ask God to personally lead them. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say, if you should not lead, a, uh, lead us, then leave us right here. If God doesn't go with us, we don't want to go in our own strength. And I think about that. How many of us, if the Lord told us, hey, I'm not going, but I'm going to take an angel will lead you and you'll get there. We go, okay, that's good. But not from Moses. Moses wanted more of God. Then Moses prays a very bold request in verse 18. Listen to what Moses said. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Man, this is, I think this is why we assemble here. Moses wanted more, more of God, more of his presence. And as such, he made a bold request of God. Great thoughts of God lead to great boldness for God. And all of this is achieved by faith, by prayer, by meditation, contemplation on God. Meeting God alone and desiring more of God, of his presence and his spirit is pivotal. It should be the very longing, the very ache within our soul. And let me tell you something, intimacy with God it many times is achieved in solitary moments alone with God in prayer. Let me share with you the fourth principle or characteristic that's here. Those who know God have great contentment in God. This is an area where I think many who profess Christ struggle to find contentment in this life. And that contentment is the peace that comes from knowing God. The greatest peace that a believer can possess is the knowledge that all is well between him and God. Paul speaks of this piece in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, when he says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That enmity is over. That striving against God is over. And our justification brings about that peace for us. It's the peace of assurance that God is in control, that an all-knowing God knows my circumstances and and maybe despite how horrific things may appear to be, that God has me because I am known to him and I am loved by him. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones has this great quote. He says this, and so let us realize this. Let us get out of the deplorable modern habit, which seems to have possessed the Christian church and makes ordinary church members think that he or she can do nothing at all, that they must sit back in crowds and large meetings, and that some two or three people are going to do everything. 
He goes on to ask the following question. Have you got a zeal for the glory of God? If this is a burden that can come to anybody, why hasn't it come to you? You know, in the church, so many are defeated. Many are looking for peace and contentment in the things of the world. And let me tell you something. The world has nothing, nothing to offer us. Only God can satisfy that deep longing of the soul. Many work harder at the world's pursuits than in the pursuit of knowing God. But as a believer, what if we turned our efforts, our energy, and our pursuits into the pursuit of God and his presence? Then we would find our contentment and satisfaction in God and God alone. Dear brother or sister, my call to the church, my personal call in my own life, my call to just about every person who professes Christ is this, to desire, to want more of God. There is never an end to the increase. And to be clear, I want to be crystal clear with this. I am not advocating chasing experience, but rather to pursue the intimacy and the reality of our God. I often say that the proof of desire is in the pursuit. If one is hungry, one seeks food. If one is thirsty, one seeks drink. If one desires God, then one must desire and seek the Lord. What about you? Moses, although he had a con- he although he was communing and he was speaking to God, the Bible tells us he spoke to God that God spoke to him as a man speaketh unto his friend. And in the presence of the Lord, yet Moses even desired more when he cried out, "Show me thy glory." Moses wanted more. Psalm 37.4 is probably a verse that you all have heard before, and perhaps you all know. It says this, delight thyself also in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. If you want to pursue more of God, it begins by delighting yourself in the Lord. Take pleasure in the Lord, and your pursuit of God will become pleasure. And once done, the word says, once you pursue him, he will give you the desires of your heart. And the question has to be, what are those desires? Now, it has to be, it has to be contextually the things that are being pursued. In this case, what is being pursued? God. The desires of the heart will be God himself. And God will become our desire. Church, my heart is that we may not miss the mark. As we pray for revival, as we labor for the kingdom, let us not lose focus on the God we serve and the God we love. Let us press into him to know him, to desire more that God would be glorified in us 
and through us and that all the world would behold the glory of God alive and vibrant in the church. May God bless his word. Amen.